Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Hey, does anybody else feel like it's almost Christmas? Like I tell you what, I'm going up... I've now started running, for those of you that are seeing if I'm going to keep my word to, to run a half marathon, I've started running and I have not died. And so, but it is cold in the morning, like three degrees, four degrees, and, and the other people are out there in their cars or sipping a coffee and I'm running by, scowling at them. It's cold, but we're glad that it is actually spring and spring is coming. Sunny days are coming. The days are getting longer. Uh, it's just a wonderful time. And as part of spring, yesterday, PLBC uh, graduated. That's our Bible college graduated yesterday. There's a few of them in the room. Sarah, I should just get them to stand. Any of the PLBC students? Yeah, they love it. I know. Yeah. Placido standing there. Dietrich, who was playing. Where's Dietrich? Over here. Dietrich was a valedictorian. So fantastic. Yeah. If you don't stand, I, ha- I don't know if I've signed your certificate yet. That's it. Just kidding. I'm kidding. Well, not really, but yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Has anyone ever heard or known of those people? You all have something coming in your mind right now. But those people, you might be, you know, the people that, we talk, that we're talking about and probably that we talk about, the critical people, the controlling people, the, the people that have an opinion about everything and aren't afraid to share it. You're, you're probably like, so far you're describing you, Craig. Uh, <laughs> mean people, those people, you know, the ones that know everything about everything and are going to tell you. Uh, those people at your family reunion that you can count on to say something, do something that just makes you go, hmm, I'm not sure I want to be related to him or her. <clears throat> it's all there. The people who spread rumors at work, the people who talk about you behind your back, the people that, you know, those people that cause issues in the world. It's all possible for all of us at any time to be of those people. It is. If you get hungry enough, the real you can stand up and shout. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. I was having a chat with someone, my wife this week, and we were having a chat. One of those chats. And finally, I just said, I closed my computer. I said, I got to go. She's like, where are you going? I said, my, my, my mind is melting right now and I'm going to say something that's stupid. So I'm going to go. I recognize my own weaknesses. Not all the time, but in that moment I did. And when we're around some of those people, we might tend to walk on eggshells. We might want to avoid them. We see them coming and we out of the frame or we unfollow them on social media, you don't really like unfriend them. You just unfollow them. It's a little bit sneakier way to do it. Or we find that it might seem more difficult to love sometimes than other times because there's those people in our lives. Some of you might even this week had somebody say something nasty to you. Do something that's inappropriate towards you. 
Am I talking to anybody today? And it's an issue for all ages. They have this thing called bullying in school. That's where we start to learn how to be mean. You get with other people. It comes out of us. And if you ever think that we are naturally good, you haven't hung around a group of three-year-olds. I was with my little granddaughter and grandson the other day. He's very small. He, he's just, well, he's not so small for his size. He's just small compared to her. And I had one of her toys and he was playing with it and slobbering on it and everything. And she looks over, she's happily playing over here. And she looks over at him and she's like, well, marches over and pulls it over him. Shepherd, that's mine. Shepherd, that's mine. I said, he can't play with it. You're over there. He's going to play with it. Shepherd, that's mine. Very serious. She was having one of those people moments. And it can seem more difficult in the world that we live in today, the craziness by any scale or measure that we see in the world around us can seem even more difficult to love in a world gone crazy. Let's pray for a moment. Lord Jesus, I thank you that wherever we're at, Lord, that you are so powerful. You take the word of God and you apply it to us. So Lord, I pray that we would give you freedom to apply your word to us, not to the person on our right or left, but to us as individuals, that your word would speak to us and open our eyes to see and our ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. So a number of years ago, I was probably in my early 30s, I suddenly started getting migraines, really bad migraines, and one in particular put me down for about four days. And I was in a room with the curtains pulled tight, no noise around, and just trying to get through it. And, and it took me about uh, 10 days to recover. It was not fun. But it was such uh, serious that I started, went to my doctor, and uh, he said, well, we're going to, this is unusual for someone your age to suddenly have, so we're going to go on a whole field and battery of tests. And so I got blood tests, and, and then I got other tests and scanning tests and, and uh, all kinds of tests, MRIs and CAT scans and EKG and ECG and all, all things I don't, couldn't pronounce and everything and all, all the things. And at the end of it all, they found I have a brain. You know, <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, I didn't know. Uh, but then at the end of it all, there was, there was some results that happened. So I had to go through all these scans to try and find out what was wrong. And they found out what was wrong. And in the intervening time, not long after that, the Lord miraculously healed me of it. I'm grateful for that. I would. Yes, Jesus. I'm grateful to Jesus. But I had to get all these scans because I needed to find out what was wrong. And that's what I'm hoping in these weeks of this series that you just allow the Holy Spirit to scan you. Put you through some word examination. Allow the word to read you. Allow the spirit of God. And if, and if you're courageous and bold and you're a follower of Jesus, we should always be in the position of saying, Lord, check me. Check me. And so rather than really being super evaluative of making sure I'm doing all right. How about all of us in this moment, allow the Holy Spirit to, to say, Lord, speak to me. Speak to me through the imperfect broken vessel on the front of the stage right now. Would you speak to me and allow the Holy Spirit to scan you? Scan me, because I got scanned all week. And if I'm gonna get scanned all week preparing, you're gonna get scanned. 
I'm just kidding. Relax. Some of you just got offended in that. It's all right. <laughs> Here we go. We're going to turn to the book of Ephesians chapter four. The book of Ephesians is written to real people. It's not just a book about nothing. It's a, written to the church in a region called Ephesus. And so it was written to address issues within that church. And every church has issues. And churches get, got letters back then. I read somewhere this week that if we were in, in those times, we would have got a letter already. <laughs> Dear Surrey Church, we want to talk to you about some things. But here it is, chapter 4. Verse 26, and we're going to skip through 26 to 27 and 29, 31 and 32 to focus on what we speak. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Someone say foothold. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And then verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. In verse 26 and 27, do in your anger, do not Sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. In your anger, don't sin. It implies that you will get angry at times and it's okay. It just puts a qualifier on it. Don't sin in your anger because there are a lot of things to be angry about in the world right now. You can see whether you're watching the news, injustice on the news, you can watch the craziness of our world, you go online, so many offensive things that are just like, oh my goodness, is this actually happening in our world, in our time? For real. But be careful because there's no win in living offended. There's no win in living offended. And if I can say it this way, I'll say it a few times today. Offense is inevitable. Living offended is a choice. Jesus said, offenses will come. And I said this last week, and if you hang around me, I will offend you. Not because I'm trying to all the time, some of the time, no, not because I'm, I'm a human. I will say dumb things. I will do dumb things. I am not Jesus. And you as well will say things that will probably offend me at times. But offense let's, is more than just, they're, they're inevitable. They will happen, but living that way. So let me explain what I mean by that. Offense is what happened. Living offended is my reaction. Let's enlarge that a little more. Offense is you did it, but living offended is I'm not letting go of it. Offense is an event, but living offended is a decision. We will all be offended. Staying in offense, living offended is a decision. It's gonna happen, but will we live offended? It's our choice. And we have to be so, so careful with anger. That's why we talked about it last week. If you didn't listen to last week, I encourage you to do that. Don't hold on to anger. We can't nurture offense. We can't rehearse the hurts and go over it and go over it. I read some work on this. 
that when you rehearse an event that was hurtful to you, your body doesn't know and your mind doesn't know it's not real again. Because you're rehearsing all the feelings again and the, all the chemicals of your body, the hormones are all reacting like it had happened again. And so that's why holding on to offense is so toxic to our physical bodies, never, never mind the rest of our world. So don't relive what happened. Do not give the devil, Satan, the adversary, the, the prince of darkness, the father of lies, any foothold in your life. Foothold is a word we don't often use, but it's a word, it's, it's a word that simply means place or room. Like, don't give the enemy any place in your life or any room in your house of your heart. And it's easy to do. But if we give him a space, he will do what he always does. He is not coming over for a nice visit to have tea and crumpets. He has only one mission on life for his whole eternity. I've come, he's come to steal, to kill, to destroy. And so when we hold on to a fence, we give that kind of a person access, space, room, a place in our heart, our life, our family, our marriage, our business, whatever it would be. Because once he has a foothold, he's not happy with a foothold. He never stops at a foothold. Because he's not only just want to bother you and irritate you with a foothold, he actually wants to build a stronghold. Where in your mind and in your thinking, in the way that you approach life, he can actually begin to war against you to war against everything that God's placed in you, to war against every promise of God for you. And then eventually he wants to get to the place where he, there's a stranglehold, where he kills the very life of God in you, where he kills every dream that God has ever placed in you, where he strangles out the, the hope of your life because it started with a foothold. And then he starts moving in and moving in and moving in and moving in, and suddenly you're like, I have a foothold left in my life. In the world, in, I, I read a lot of history, history books and history bi biographies. When I was a little kid, I was that kid who read encyclopedias. Uh, but one of the things, June the 6th, 1944 is called, does anybody know what that day is? Called? Someone knows, D-Day. Okay, you knew it, you just didn't want to say it. D-Day. And they had hundreds of thousands of men, ships, resources, all kinds of stuff. And their goal was Nazi Germany had been warring in Europe for many, many years by that time, nearly five years. And they had tried to push them back here and here and they were having a little bit of success, but they knew that the time would have to come where they would have to get into Europe again. And their whole goal on that day, June the 6th, 1944, was to establish a foothold. And so what they wanted to do was establish a foothold and push the enemy back out of the space. And it took, it was a terrible day. It was a fight for everything. And eventually they got a foothold and the rest is history. Just a little less than a year later, there was victory in Europe on May the 8th, I think it is, 1945. But it all started with a foothold. Now the inverse or the reverse is true in the enemy. He only wants a foothold. Well, just it's only one little spot. It's only one little offense. He can't, I'm, you know how they've treated me. You know what they said about me. 
You know how they've talked about me. You know. It's just one little thing. He's not wanting to stay with one little thing. And he will push his advantage because we give him the advantage by holding a fence and giving him a foothold. Notice it said, don't, it said, do not give him a foothold. That's up to you and to me. Do not give him a foothold. An offense that isn't dealt with will eventually become a stronghold and a stranglehold. John Bevere said this. He wrote a book called The Bait of Satan. It's a great book. If you haven't read it, it'd be a great book to read. But he said, if the devil could destroy us whenever he wanted to, he would have wiped us out a long time ago. So how can he get access to you? Satan hopes we will take his bait of offense so that we, he will have a foothold in our lives to destroy our relationships with God, relationship with God and our relationships with people and everything good that God's doing in our life. Don't take the bait and Satan cannot touch you. Do not give the devil a, don't give him any space. That's for you, that's for me, that's for everybody hearing this today. Do not give the devil a foothold in any space. Now think about it, if he couldn't get there, so his strategies is prob are probably going to revolve around this very issue. If there were a bunch of demons in a strategy meeting, meeting in hell, thinking about how they're going to destroy you, and there are. If you belong to Jesus, there are strategies being hatched against you. 2 Corinthians 2 and 11, so it's talking about, and we pick it up here, he says, I would not, so that we would not be exploited by the adversary, the Satan, for we know his clever schemes. He's scheming against you. You're not just walking through life. Whether you feel like you should be able to or not, you are not just walking through life. So there's a devil who's scheming against you, trying to destroy you, trying to kill you, trying to wreck everything in your life. And here, they sit, they read the same Bible. It's proof that you can read the Bible and not have it impact you. But they read the Bible and they see this, do not give the devil a foothold. So how are they going to work? They're going to do everything that they can to cause you and me to hold a fence because that gives them a foothold into our lives that they would not otherwise have. How can we get Craig or you or me to do something that would break the heart of God and destroy all that's good and right in his life through living offended? Hmm. Here's three D's of destruction, how he destroys. Maybe the enemy would want to divide families and friends and churches. And it's easier than ever to divide right now around politics, around culture, around race, around, we can just about pick the things. It destroys friendship, destroying families, destroying, ruining marriages, splitting churches. His goal always is to destroy us by dividing us through offense. United, we are unstoppable. Divided, we are weak and ineffective. Jesus himself said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. That's a negative principle we can see working in marriages, in families, in businesses, in churches, all across. The other D, then he might just try to distract us from our mission. Get them mad about everything. Boycott this. Complain about that. 
Normal distractions don't work, amp it up. Get us arguing with each other on social media, arguing with everybody and flaming, angry about so many things, distracting us often from our mission. Maybe even discredit our witness, the angry offended ones. Get us to focus primarily on and known for what we're against. Get us arguing with each other. Get us mad about this issue or that issue, trying to keep us angry, critical, judgmental, hypocritical. He wants his strategy because his goal is to get a foothold so he can get a stronghold and eventually a stranglehold over an individual, a marriage, a family, a church. And tragically left unchecked, it slowly, sometimes quickly, seeps into our lives. I read this recently. Is Hate doesn't always show up as that in one's heart. It often begins as a seemingly cuddly little bear cub known as a fence that we invite into our soul. I don't know if you've ever seen these before. The Russian, if you go on YouTube, you'll find all kinds of funny things about bear wrestling. But people who bring in a little bear cub, and eventually, though, that bear cub grows up. This little cuddly bear cub is allowed to grow. It's fed. It's nurtured. And over time, what was once a little cuddly bear turns into an untamable beast, which turns on everyone, including the one who coddled and fed it. So be wary of what we entertain in our soul. Offense is inevitable. Living offended is a choice. Other parts of the verse that we don't want to miss, it says, in your anger, do not sin and do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. That phrase, there's so much hope right in that phrase. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. In other words, the day of my hurt could be the day to begin my healing. It doesn't have to go on. Don't let the sun go down. Some people take that as, uh, some commentators say that's literally right then. If you lived in the Arctic in wintertime, you got about 10 minutes. I'm sorry I've heard you like, like the sun is going down right now. So could be that. Others feel that it's within a 24-hour period and others feel that it could be mean to do as soon as reasonably possible. The big picture is don't let too much time go by when we are hurt, betrayed, offended, as we all have been and maybe all have been even just this week. Don't let it go by for too long because it can get a hold. But it's hard. It's not easy at times because most of us don't like conflict. I've been better at this at some times. Sometimes I'm reasonable at it. Other times I'm terrible at it. Anybody else been like that before? Pick one of the three, all three. And we start by to deal with it by, hey, I'm sorry. Uh, that was my fault. And I hope you can find it in your heart to forgive me. And we leave it with them and we hope that they will forgive us. But it's really on them at that point. If we've asked for forgiveness, we just leave it. If, if there's some reconciliation, amends that have to be made, we work that through, of course. We can't control the response of others, but we need to take responsibility for ourselves. And we hope and pray that there can be some movement towards one another. But we recognize that forgiveness is both a decision and a process. The first is an obedient decision of our will because Jesus says, forgive. 
He didn't say, if you feel, forgive. And sometimes we're waiting for feelings so that we can forgive and be free. But if we forgive, we have, the feelings will eventually come and we can be free. But the decision starts a process. And the process of healing takes time. The process of restoration takes time. It takes a process to get our emotions sometimes to catch up with our, our decision. And it's not easy all the time. Thinking right now, even as I'm talking of a situation where someone had deeply hurt me and I had forgiven, we had had discussions and everything like that, but the feels still felt like something was, when I thought of them, I wasn't thinking great and warm thoughts and I was wrestling with the Lord with it. There's a scripture in Luke and I don't have it handy, but I'll just refer to it. It talks about do good to those that hate you. Pray for those that despitefully use you. I can't remember the rest. I'm going off, off my... But essentially, there needed to be some action. And as I knew that person's birthday was coming up, the Lord said to me, Craig, you need to send him a present. And I was like, that's when I knew I wasn't as forgiven as I thought I was. I and I said, Okay. I sent them a present book for their birthday. I knew when their birthday was. I still do. Then he kept doing it and he said, pray for them like you want somebody to pray for you. Don't pray the prayer. Lord, I pray that a plague would come over their house and you know, the car will break down on the freeway or anything like that. Pray for them how you wish somebody would pray for you. I started to do that. Came around another year to birthday was coming. He said, one more time. You know the kind of book they like. Send them this one. Not the, not the book that you think they need. <laughs> so I did it again. And the, through the process of that, started with a decision, then there was a process that God brought healing to my offended and hurt heart. <clears throat> it's a decision and it's a process. Forgiveness is always possible, but the process never begins until the decision is made to forgive. The Apostle Paul goes on to show us a little bit more in this chapter of Ephesians that what we can do so that we are not one of those people causing offense. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Can you imagine if we had like a little counter on our forehead? That every time something stupid or unwholesome came out of our mouth, it would like click, click, click. <laughs> click, 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 click. You'd be in a conversation and blah, 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 click, 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 click. You're at 46. Just watch him. He's going to be, he's at 106 and he's hardly out of bed. <laughs> Things that I imagine sometimes. It's not easy. Don't let anything come out of your mouth that's unwholesome. Because the reality of the modern world, of our world is that words are powerful. Powerful. Power of life and death is in the tongue. Proverbs, I think it's uh, 18 says, God created the world with a word. Words have power. Our tongues can be sources of blessing and they can be things that are unwholesome, unhelpful, unkind. Anyone want to get real that that sometimes comes out of your mouth? If somebody elbowed you that came to church with you, put your hand up. 
James 3, 9 and 10 says, with our tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse humans who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, he says, this shouldn't be. So Paul is not playing when he says, don't let anything unwholesome come out of our mouth. In the same context where he's talking about holding on a fence. Unwholesome means poor quality, unfit for use, putrid like rotting vegetables. No belittling, no bad mouthing. Watch the sarcasm. Sarcasm is not a gift or fruit of the Spirit. It's one of those things that some people, it's a line you got to be careful with. Because often we, it's a way for us to passively aggressive. Canadians, we're really good at it. Where we can say something we really want to say, but we kind of code it a little bit. Drop that in there. Be careful. But I want to dial it in even a little tighter. Just five or six little things here. When you're dealing with issues and dealing with people, don't call names. Don't raise your voice. You know, Fight. Don't get historical, not hysterical, historical. Remember when we've talked about this before? I told you this is not the first time we've dealt with this before. Did you forgive me then? Yeah, but I'm going to talk to you about it again. I wasn't thinking of anybody. Don't anybody do that on me. Don't say never or always. When we were first married, this was my go-to right there. You never, you always. And if you're married, in all seriousness, don't threaten divorce. Don't use that. That's like the nuclear weapon in your marriage and creates so much tension and so much unnecessary hurt. If you're feeling that, and then go and dial and get a counselor, call a pastor, Bring somebody in, but don't threaten divorce. Don't go there. And most important, do not quote me in a fight. <laughs> do not take my name in vain. <laughs> Pastor Craig says, I've actually been sitting in the back of vehicles riding with people and I've heard that happen. I'm like, whoa, whoa. Don't get me in the middle of this. You can bring your Bible, but do not bring me in there. You walk into church and someone's just staring at you like, oh, did I say something? You were in our fight last week. No, I was not. Yes. And so anyway, that's there just to lighten the mood. Anyway, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful. <laughs> now, listen, read the rest of it. Because sometimes we think what we know what somebody needs and they're going to get it. Anybody ever thought like that before? I know what they need. They need uh, an adjustment. <laughs> but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. If you want to live unoffended, offense is inevitable, but living offended is a choice. And the spirit of God through Paul is, keeps going after us. He's hitting us with everything. If we're still unclear with what is not helpful, he starts to list with, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, every form of malice. And then he goes on and says, but here's what's going to be helpful. 
You know, my grandma used to say, if you can't find something good to say, Craig. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you can do better. If you can't find something good to say, find something good to say. Okay? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Be kind, be compassionate, be forgiving. How? Just as in Christ God forgave you when you didn't deserve it. Just as in Christ God was compassionate to me and you when we didn't deserve it or earn it. Just as in Christ, God forgave you unconditionally, completely, immediately, not hanging it over your head, not judging you for for making the mistake. In Christ, by the power of Christ, is the only way we can do this. Because I tell you what, there is no way that I will ever, by my own strength, not let something stupid come out of my mouth. By the power of the Holy Spirit, though, working in me and in you, I'm not where I used to be. I'm better than I used to be, but I'm not where I'm going to be. Through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us. And we started talking out about those people. But do you ever think or wonder if maybe you're one of those people? Maybe not. But let's get real. What if I'm one of those people? What if you're one of those people? What if we don't know? Scripture gives us a helpful tool, a diagnostic. We're going to give us a scan this morning. There's a scripture that's going to go up on the screen out of Psalm 139. Let's read this together, all right? On the count of three. One, two, three. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Oh, God, help me. That's what he's saying. Give me a scan. Find out what's wrong in my heart. Because everything that comes out of my mouth was once in my heart. Out of the overflow of the heart... The mouth speaks. So if I have a speech problem, I got a heart issue. And the only one who can fix or deal with the problems of our heart is Jesus. He's the one that can bring us together. He's the one that can help us to to forgive. He's the one that can help us to let it go. He's the one who can heal. He's the one who can set free. He's the one who can deliver. He's the one who can sort things out, bring order out of chaos. He's the one that can bring us into the order that he sees for our lives and our family. He's the one that can say, no matter what happened to you, I have the power to heal you. That person may never make it right. And that's okay because heaven can make it right inside of you and inside of me. The devil wants a foothold so he can build a stronghold and eventually a a stranglehold, but we're not gonna give him a foothold. We're not gonna give him the foothold. Think about it. Every minute we stay angry is another minute we don't have joy. Every minute we stay offended is another minute where we miss out on peace. Offense is inevitable, Living offended 
is a choice. I invite you to stand to your feet. We all know that there are people who drive us crazy. Might be me sitting up here, who knows? We're all those people at times. And so God, just invite you to close your eyes for a moment. We're gonna turn that last scripture into a prayer. We ask you to search our hearts today as we listen to you. And if you're open to the Holy Spirit doing some corrective work on you, to scan you, pray along with me, join with me in, in the quietness of your own heart, repeat it after me. Search me, O oh God. Lord. Know my heart. Test me, do a checkup on me, x-ray me, MRI me, do whatever to show me beneath the surface. Know my anxious way. See if there's any offensive way in me. Is there any arrogance? Is there any pride? Is there any bitterness? Is there any unforgiveness? Don't want any footholds in my life. Lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me, because I don't even know how to do it in my natural humanity to be kind when others have been unkind, to be gentle when others are not gentle, to live in the opposite spirit. Lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, O God. Test me, O God. Search my heart, my anxious thoughts. Reorder me. Don't give a foothold. I think, feel like the Holy Spirit is showing some of us in the room right now where you've let a foothold go. Don't tolerate it. Not one more day. Don't tolerate it one more day. Maybe the other person doesn't even know it and you can just leave it between you and God. And as Proverbs says, it's to, a, to someone's glory to overlook an offense. You can let it go. If you can truly let it go, go. If it requires a conversation with someone, take the conversation. Maybe you've already had the conversation and you need to do what I described earlier about pray for them, doing good to them, sending them a gift. I don't know. But Lord, I ask that you would do, search us, search us, search us, Lord. And Lord, then give us courage to obey you and follow you. Not just so that we can have a little more joy and a little more peace. Oh, that's great. But Lord, I think about all the things that are being held back in my life or in our lives because there's a foothold of the enemy. And I want no place of that. So Jesus, we repent of holding on to offense. We repent of our unforgiveness. We repent of our judgment and our arrogance and our pride and we need you Jesus we need you Jesus we release that person to you we release that situation to you your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us courage Lord Jesus I know I need courage in so many spaces Give us courage, Jesus, to obey you and trust you. That instead of the foothold of the enemy in our life, we would walk free. 
free to follow you, free to obey you, free, free in our marriages, free in our families, free in our situations, that we'd experience the reality instead of the enemy stealing, killing, and destroying, we'd experience the reality of Jesus who said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. We look to you, Jesus. Thank you that you forgave us first. While we were yet sinners, you died for us. In the strong name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.